Hi, I'm Will, and welcome to Cabra Matters, because Cabra matters to God and to His Church. Now, I'm joined by Pastors Rob and Kian, and our purpose is to encourage God's church in Cabramatta and anyone else who's tuning in. Each week, we will open the Bible um, with, with open hearts uh, to chat about the upcoming sermon and discuss any questions that were raised uh, from last week's sermon. If you're listening on YouTube, uh, please leave us a comment or like the video. Um, if you're listening on a podcast app, then please subscribe. And if you want to contact us, you can email us at comms at cabra.church. That's C-O-M-M-S at cabra.church. So this week, uh, we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 10 to 17. And, and two weeks ago, we looked at, um, you know, the first few verses of uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, so we're going to kick us off. Kick us off reading it. I can read. Thanks, Rob. 1 Corinthians 1, starting from verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Yeah, um, so our usual two questions. Uh, you know, what, what does the passage mean? Uh, what is God saying? And how does it apply to us? Um, yeah. So any any observations, guys, about the passage? The main thing that jumps out at me are divisions. So it seems like back then, people were, there were factions in the church, like people following different leaders, like Paul, Apollos, Peter. I mean, I'm just curious, like, what's the actual reason behind that? Uh, it seems like in it's at the, it's in verse ten. You know, they're not united in the same mind and same judgment. Hmm. I'm just wondering what what is that same mind and same judgment? Yeah, and verse seventeen was pretty pretty helpful for me uh, uh, many years ago. Like it just it was just a rem- reminder to me that it's not about how well you know, it's not about how eloquent we are with our words. Uh, it's all about you know shining the spotlight on Jesus and the cross. Yeah, and uh, I think kind of like going further with that, it's if we take the spotlight off the cross and Christ and shine it on how eloquent we are, then we're taking away God's, like we're not relying upon God's power to change people. Hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about the, the not being united in, in judgment. Um, so verse 10, so was it in, in the same, not being united in mind and in judgment. Hmm. And I'm thinking about how like, I think the general thesis I think that I have for first Corinthians is that you know worldly thinking and worldliness has kind of crept into the church 
mm. and has impacted the way that they think. Mm. Uh, so I wonder whether they are not united in the way that in their mind and in their judgment because they have allowed worldly ways of evaluating things um, impact the way that they then evaluate things in the church. Mm. Um, so like, for example, you know, I like tennis. Are you a Djokovic fan, a Nadal fan, or a Federer fan? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and people people judge. They they say they all they are all probably that can all be simultaneously the greatest of all time, right? Like Federer can be the greatest of all time. You can argue that Nadal is the greatest of all time. You can argue Djokovic is the greatest of all time, mm-hmm. and people evaluate them differently based on. Um, whatever categories they have. And, and that's kind of like a worldly way of evaluating um, people's achievements. And I think maybe like as an illustration, as illustrative of that, the Corinthians church might've been employing like a worldly way of evaluating um, an apostle's power or leader's um, influence and then going, well, this leader is actually better than that leader, you know, or this leader is actually better than that leader. And they go, nah, so I'll follow this person. And then, mm-hmm. and I think maybe that's probably what's happening. And I think that can also, yeah, for me, I think it impacts me because, you know, as, as a, as a pastor of a church, right? Like how do I evaluate myself? Um, how do I evaluate, you know, um, what the other pastors are doing and stuff, right? Like I don't, don't go, oh, you know, Rob's better because he's, you know, he can, he can write better (laughs) or or he ends better because he's, he's more practical, Mm. right? And, and, and he can get things done or he's better with people. Like that's not how I evaluate our, our, our work for the Lord, you know, Mm. um, yeah, and then so I don't then think about myself and go, oh, that means I need to be better at, you know, preaching or better at, at the way that I present or mm. better in the way that I write, um, you know, encouraging notes or lead Bible studies or something. Uh, I think it just means, you know, back takes us back to verse seventeen. <laughs> yeah. It's just preach the cross, preach Jesus, shine the light on him, and and we all. That's what we're all here for. That's what we're all doing. Um, yeah. yeah, that's. I think that's how how the passage is speaking to me at the moment. Yeah, and I think also jumping off that, it would be really natural for us to compare with each other. Like, um, yeah, who's the better leader? Uh, it doesn't just happen at like amongst at the pastors level, but like it could be at like team leaders. Uh, be like, I follow this team leader. I follow that team leader. Um, yeah, it, it could filter down into so many different, like in different ways. And it's not so much about, yeah, who is the better leader? Like our one leader is Jesus. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the gospel mindset that we, that needs to correct our hearts. Like we're all on team Jesus here and we're all on team, you know, the cross. Um, and I mean, it doesn't change the fact that, yeah, like a little part of us still wants the glory. A little part of us still wants the limelight. Um, but actually that's, yeah, to yeah, like we we need that same gospel mindset of actually it's all about Jesus here. It's all about the cross. It's not about us. Um, give thanks actually for the gifted leaders that we have at, at Cabra. Like, mm. God's blessed us with many gifted people. 
um, with godly character. Yeah. I was just thinking, um, does it, uh, in today's time, do, do we evaluate people uh, more on their output in terms of effectiveness or the results of their mm. or is it on their skill level? Which is what Will was pointing to. Is what you put at. Sometimes I think for myself, sometimes I do judge people on their results. And that's, yeah, I think I need yeah, to remember that it's not results. But it's uh, yeah, working for God on, on, on Rob's saying, Team Jesus. Uh, and we're all there to. to encourage and, and to help others be successful in whatever they're doing for hmm. There was a recent Crossway article uh, that I haven't read, but it was in my inbox. Uh, you, read the, was, you read the heading? I read the heading. There's <laughs> uh, something along the lines of God blesses um, holiness. Like God wants us to be holy. Um, it's, not so, it's more about holiness than pastoral talent. Hmm. Um, so I think that, that struck a chord with me. I was like, yeah, actually at the end of the day, like I do want to be good at all sorts of, like, I want to be a good pastor, which uh, isn't just about how good I preach or how well I love people or how many things I get done. Although those things are good at the end of the day, it's you know, personal holiness, mm. uh, it's character. Um, it's your walk before God being a godly example to others. Uh, that's if anything, even more crucial um, than all the, pastoral talent yeah yeah i guess it reminds me of um the first few verses where you know the corinthians are called to be saints along with all the rest who call upon the name of the lord which includes <laughs> the apostles right they call yeah. upon the name of the lord and they're called to be saints too um just as much as you know the the others are called to be saints um yeah okay maybe we could uh take it from there pray and then look at some of the questions Sure. How about I pray? Mm-hmm. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you uh, for the message of the gospel, uh, which is your power to save. And Lord, we ask that as your people, we may um, not endeavor to take the spotlight away from um, the cross and the, from Jesus and point it to ourselves, but that we would continue to proclaim Jesus um, and, and not evaluate things in a worldly way. Uh, please help us, Lord, to repent. Um, of, of this um, and to wholly and fully rely on um, the cross and being your holy people and pray this in Jesus name Amen Amen uh, Yep so on Sunday Rob you preached on Hosea chapter 1 so it was the first sermon of the series um, and I think what really struck me was how it kind of like dovetailed with uh, First Corinthians so when I preached on First Corinthians it was uh majored on God's sovereignty um, and his, his call and his assurance that whom he calls, he also justifies whom he justifies, you know, and so on into to, to glorification. And, and, and it's, you know, when God calls, he completes his work, calls his people to be saints and they are made saints. So the sanctification as in, you know, it's a thing that's, that's done. Um, and then in Hosea, I think what really challenged me is is the the push the other way, <laughs> where you know 
God takes faithfulness seriously. Mm. Like, um, make make sure that you're not, you know, spiritually unfaithful. And that's that's the that's the that's the message there. Mm. Um, and so I think we had a few questions, um, and I think one of the questions we probably would like to revisit uh, from the day. So I'm, I'm actually swapping the water around. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, and so I think the person asked, can you be so spiritually adulterous that you cannot come back to the Father? Um, is there anything you can do to know that it's happening and prevent it? Uh, so it's a double-barreled question. Um, and the person also mentioned that I was thinking of uh, the passage in Hebrews about Esau. Uh, so I think it would be good for me to call out the, the passage and just read it out so that everyone is on the same page. So in Hebrews chapter 12, um, the, the, the writer there uh, says, at starting at verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, to, see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. So I think that the gist of the question is, like Esau seems to be used as, as an example of falling away too much so that he can't turn around again and you know receive god's inheritance and blessing mm. uh, and so yeah then the question is can you be so spiritually adulterous that you cannot come back to the father what are your thoughts guys <laughs> okay first rob <laughs> yeah thanks for the question um just thought that we'd re-bring re it up again uh, just as a team because it is such a good question and um yeah it's it's tricky uh so had a little bit more time to think about it and uh, there's a couple of ways to answer this so if i was to boil down the question yeah if i reject god can i come back uh, so we're dealing here with um the god's election so we're dealing with the fact that you know god chose uh um isaac i'm uh, sorry jacob instead of esau and that was god's choice uh, to give his blessing to uh, yeah, Jacob um, instead of Esau. Uh, sorry, what am I saying? Isaac, Isaac, Jacob. Isaac, Jacob, Esau. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it's hard. Like, do, does God choose? Uh, does God choose whom he saves? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, he chooses one and then he doesn't choose others. Uh, so that's, I guess, the theology head level answer. How that makes me feel. It's not comfortable. Um, I think of people that I love and people that I care for that don't know Jesus. Yeah. Like perhaps God hasn't chosen them uh, to, um, has to be saved. What then do I do about it? Well, it still means I try to share the gospel with them. It still means I pray for them. Can they come back to the father? I'd hope so. <laughs> Cause I'm not, I'm not God. I don't know whether they are saved or not. Uh, there's still time between now and the last day where Jesus will come back. There is every possibility that you know, people that I know and love uh, that don't know Jesus now will know Jesus by the time Jesus comes back. Um, like God is gracious and he, he will um, 
you know, like there is still the possibility that uh, they will be saved. Uh, yeah, but that, uh, so I think when, it come, when we come back to this Hebrews passage here, uh, so Hebrews 12 verse 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Like I'm wondering why is that there? Um, my thoughts are at this point, well, the writer is urging them to make sure that they don't become like Esau. <laughs> make sure they don't walk down that same path. Make sure that they aren't spiritually adulterous, uh, to use the language of Hosea. Um, in other parts of the scriptures, it would be, you know, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. You know, if you're, if you're hearing this uh, and you are feeling that tension of, um, you know, oh, maybe I am one of the spiritually adulterous people, then the word is, you know, make sure that you don't, uh, make sure you don't keep walking down that path. Stay faithful to God. Um, there is always, there is grace. Um, yeah, that's where I'd leave it at this point. But can you hear your thoughts as well? Yeah, I like how you frame framed it in, in the context of Hebrews where, you know, the exhortation there is is to not then go, oh, you know, I'm either chosen or I'm not, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll just do whatever. And if I'm chosen, then yeah, I'm safe. If, I, if I'm not, then, you know, well, it doesn't matter if I tried anyway kind of thing. Hmm. Um, but the, the application for us is if, because, because of this, make sure we make every effort to confirm that that we have been called by God yeah. and chosen. Yeah. I think the passage that I kind of immediately go to is like um, the lost son. Mm. I was thinking that too. <laughs> yeah. So the lost son, you know, the, the parable that Jesus taught that um, there, a man had a rich, a farmer or a rich man had two sons. And then one son decides to go, Oh, you know, give me my inheritance early and I'm going to go off. And he takes his inheritance, goes off and squanders it and, lives you know a selfish lavish lifestyle hmm. and then you know there's a point where he comes to his senses and he realizes oh this is this is not the right thing hmm. but then you would think in his position you know he's too far gone to go back <laughs> to his father right but he, he goes anyway and and wants to be a slave so he goes back and, and the father sees him from far off and he runs to him and you know accepts him, forgives him and restate, reinstates him as a son and with glory and, and honor. And I think that really tells us about God's, God's character um, of wanting to show grace and love to his people, you know? Um, and, and I think that the core there is, yeah, you're not too far gone. Come back. God will accept you. Um, yeah. And that's the hope we have is that, if we do come back and, and, and uh, get humble our, our pride, like, take away our pride and just humbly crawl back, <laughs> and God will accept us in that. Uh, and so that's the hope we have uh, as, as God's people, or in the sense like um, the, the Hosea passage was to God's people who ministry. So if we're God's people, and this is dealing with compatibilism which we mentioned last time uh, in a previous podcast uh, it's the you know, whose role is it you know god chooses but we also play our part you know we um our faith is active uh, that's what the reformers would say uh, yeah, and if you look in the original as well it's a verb you know faith is 
um, you know, actively trusting. And so it, it means, yes, God chooses, but we also actively make every effort to you know, stick with Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think for the person who thinks that they've sinned too, too much or they're too, too bad for God to accept. Like, I think if you think that, then you also un under value like Christ's work on the cross. Because if you think that you're, you're too bad for God to accept, then you're also effectively saying that, you know, Jesus's death can't pay for your sin. Um, but it does. It's like, it's like the passage today, you empty the cross of its power. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I guess that links into the next question of, is there anything you can do to know that it's happening and prevent it? Yeah, it's, you know, no matter how sinful you are, that doesn't disqualify you from coming to Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think it was, it was Paul in 1 Timothy and he says, you know, this, this is a trustworthy saying, Christ came into the world to save sinners of which I'm the uh, foremost, mm. you know, Paul murdered Christians. How that's pretty bad. <laughs> he killed Christians and like lots of them. Um, Acts chapter eight, Stephen was the first martyr, uh, brought to the feet of Saul at the time. And so it's a trustworthy saying, you know, Christ came into the world to save sinners. He, if you think you are so spiritually adulterous and so bad that you, that God won't accept you, that's not true. And God will accept you if you come back, if, come back to him, return to him, um, you know, repent and trust in him. Like he will accept you with open arms. Uh, so if you know it's happening, you can prevent it. Um, return to Jesus and stick with Jesus. Yeah. I think God gives us help as well. Um, you know, he's given us the conscience. He's given us his spirit um, to help us to see his will and where we are not doing his will. Um, and so I think part of that is yeah, a self-reflection going, am I walking with God or am I walking away from God? And then I think God, he would show you that through his word, by his spirit, in your conscience, and also um, with his people who speak to, to you. you know, if, if, I can't remember which proverb it is, right? Like, you know, he and my, no. <laughs> like, okay. you know, the, the gist of it is, you know, better, like it's better for a friend to, to hurt you by, by speaking the truth than, than like enemies who just, you know, um you up with kind words and stuff and i think that that's that's part of what the body of christ does together right like we we speak god's word to each other in truth and in love um and and that's one of the ways that we find out that we're going down the wrong path right if, if a christian brother or sister is telling you hey i don't think what you're doing is is good for your walk with god like they're doing it out of, if they're doing it out of love it's something that you should be listening to i think and not take it as judgment yeah and not take it as as judgment and going oh you're just judging me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so i think god uses like these things amongst other things so our conscience the holy spirit god's word and his people um, to help us to see if we're walking with god or not did you have any last things to add here no that's that's, that's yeah what Will said, I agree. <laughs> okay. yeah, we can okay. move on to the next question. Yeah. yeah. Right. Why don't you introduce the next question here? Because did it come up in your growth group? <laughs> I think it did. <laughs> so uh, one of the questions uh, uh, from our growth group is along the line of uh, why, 
in his according in Hosea, now why would God call a uh, supposedly well a godly man to do something that is ungodly, marrying a uh, prostitute? So thought, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, and the thing is to do with the perception, right? Yes, to do with perception. So like, if he, if Hosea is supposed to be representative of God, and he marries an ungodly. A uh, woman who's obviously living a promiscuous lifestyle, then is is he is he kind of like um, yeah the people around him will see him as not trustworthy in what he says about mm-hmm. God. <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts on that, Rob? Will had more. Will had a better answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, my my first thought was like you know God called Hosea to to marry her not not to like just fornicate and sleep with her um so it's not like he's doing something that's wrong but then yeah the, the further the, the further question behind the question is kind of like well it's to do with marrying an ungodly person and um you know the impact that it might have on the perception on, on Hosea um, and and I think it's it's also drawing from what we learn in in the rest of God's word where you don't like in the New Testament, like Christians are called not to marry non-Christians. Um, and so what's happening here? Is he doing that and kind of like compromising his faith or compromising the message that God has called him to do? And so to that, I kind of think, I think it's expected in the time for prophets to do really strange things to illustrate like God's word. Um, so, you know, there's, prophets who were called to lie like Ezekiel, I think called to lie on his side for like 300 days or something um, or, or cook food with human dung, which is unclean and you shouldn't do that. Right? Why would God tell him to do something that's unclean? You know what I mean? Um, and, or, or like apparently, <laughs> not apparently I've just found out recently that Isaiah was called to walk naked for like three years <laughs> to, and the whole point was to, to, um, show God's people how humiliating it would be for them to be um, taken exile. Right. And so Isaiah paraded around naked for three years. Um, so I think, yeah, prophets were called to do pretty strange things by God. And, and I think it's expected in the time um, that people, the people that like God's people would have seen, Oh, this person's a prophet. He's doing something to illustrate something about God and he's got a message to say. So, so yeah. Um, Marrying and, and like a promiscuous woman um, isn't necessarily bad because he's marrying her, right? He's not called to fornicate with her. Um, and it also illustrates the point that God's trying to make to his people that his people are, are like the promiscuous women um, who, who are unfaithful to him. Who is, and Hosea is supposed to be like God um, who's continually to be faithful um, to the one who he, whom he has married, <laughs> yeah. So, I don't. I think why would God do that? Well, yes, yeah, to make a point. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not calling Hosea to sin. I don't think. Hmm. Yeah. You had another. Yeah. You had a real life example as well. Oh, uh, you want example? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so if anyone's um. What's it called? Familiar with X3 Watch? Um, it's an accountability program. 
and the the organization behind X3 Watch is X3 Church, uh, three, like Triple X Church, uh, and and they're they're trying to help uh, Christians um, to be rid of you know sexual immorality and uh, especially um, you know viewing pornography and and one of the I think one of the main advocates for this X3 Church thing. Um, he has actually married an ex-porn star, right? And this porn, this ex-porn star, um, you know, she's left the life of porn and is now a committed Christian and fighting against porn and kind of like encouraging men and women all over the world uh, to, to leave the poison of porn, right? And so, yeah, I think that's an example of where, you know, it's, she she was a promiscuous woman, right? And and like he's a godly man who who married her, and it's not a sin. But admittedly, you know, Gomez is a bit different. <laughs> um, you know, she she still remained in her promiscuous ways, and I think that really uh, illustrates God's point hmm. that Israel and his people were unfaithful to God. Yeah. And we'll we'll unpack that as we keep going through Hosea. Like if I was to summarize the point, uh, it's yeah, you know, it's as Will mentioned, um, God's people continue to be spiritually adulterous, and God continues to remain faithful and loves them. I'm like, wow, like that strikes a chord. It's like, yeah, that's that's a that's the issue of our hearts before God. Like we are, you know, sinful, we are adultery, uh, adulterous, uh, yet God is so gracious and still loves us. So. Yeah, it's like yeah. yeah, our sin is so much worse than what we think, and God's love is so much greater than we than we think. Yeah. And I think uh, it sort of highlights that we can't really take some things in the Old Testament and apply it in our time today directly, because hmm. God speaks to Old Testament prophets differently to the way He speaks to say a minister today. Because in today's time, we're spoken. God speaks to us through Holy the Bible. Whereas in old times, it speaks it directly. So it's totally different. We can't just take off in a, an exact correlation. Hmm. Yeah, and if you want to cross-check that, you can look at Hebrews 1, uh, verses 1 to 2. Uh, that's where you know God, it's pretty clear there that you know God spoke in the Old Testament through prophets. He spoke to his people through prophets. And then... Uh, in, the, in these last days, he speaks to us through Jesus. So that's Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 2. And then also 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 to 16. That's where, um, that's the go-to verse for, you know, that's how God speaks to us now. He speaks to us through his word. Uh, all scripture is God-breathed. And that's how God teaches us, corrects us, rebukes us, and trains us. Cool. I think we leave it there. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> Yep. So if you have any, uh, you know, further questions uh, or clarifications or comments, yeah, you can either leave a comment on the YouTube video or um, email us uh, or, or even comment on our Facebook page. Just let us know um, and, and we'll, yeah, we'll find a way to, to answer these questions and um, respond to your comments. So hope to, you'll tune in again next week and see you later. God bless. 